Hi, welcome back to Unleashed at Work and Home. Today, my guest is Dr. Leslie Sin, a veterinary behaviorist who's had a lot of work experience with a variety of animals and many different work environments. And I wanted to talk to Leslie about the idea of setting yourself up for success, because certainly working with dogs, well, with all animals, but dogs are my background, um, we, we really look at that piece of how can I set up this family for success and we need to do that also for ourselves and for our own personal happiness. So welcome, Leslie. Thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me, Colleen. I appreciate your thinking of me and, and inviting me to join you. I was delighted that you were able to come on. So um, let's just start on the animal end because that's usually a little bit easier. What are some of the things that you tell people to think about when they're trying to set their animal up for success whenever they're dealing with a behavior concern? Uh, great question. So I think probably the thing that's hard for people to keep in mind or that's important for people to keep in mind is that it's a lot easier to prevent issues from happening or prevent problems from occurring rather than dealing with the aftermath or the chaos that occurs you know, associated with the, with the problem behavior or the difficulty, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. And although it may take some forethought and take a little bit of organization, the payoff is huge. So just a classic example of a very, very common problem, as you know, that people have all the time with dogs is Uh, the mayhem and chaos that occurs when visitors arrive at the front door. And and it is true, you know, you have unexpected visitors come, you have things that aren't uh, anticipated, but, you know, honestly, 90, 95% of the time, you can plan. And if you plan in advance and do something like, uh, very simple, put your dog on leash, or put your dog in the spare bedroom, or put your dog in the backyard, or I mean, there are all kinds of potential alternatives to avoid that that chaos situation. It just takes 30 seconds of pre-thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can avoid a lot of trouble and trauma. And I think that that basic principle applies not just to our dogs, uh, but but to ourselves as well. I mean, there are ways of setting ourselves up for success. There are ways of setting our clients up for success, our businesses up for success. If we just pause a moment and just think about uh, where we're trying to go, what we're trying to accomplish, and and set ourselves up in the in the best situation possible, uh, recognizing that it's not always po- you know you can't control for all the variables. We'd like to. Well, goodness knows right. I. Yeah, I'd love to be able to control all the variables. Um, but you can sure make a, a pretty good attempt at it, and you can sure um, have success a large percentage of the time with that pre-planning. Absolutely. It's it's interesting how – I'm going to mess up the quote, but – Basically, like every plan is going to fall apart. Um, it won't. It won't come out perfectly as designed. But yeah. failing to plan just leads to chaos and, exactly. and craziness. So you need to plan, and you have to recognize that you're going to have to adapt on the fly. But your point about having a little bit of forethought, having such a big payoff, I think is one of the things that that falls apart when we're under stress. That we start thinking, well, I don't have time to do that. I can't deal with that right now. And that's true in that exact moment, but if we don't make the time to, to try to figure out well, what is going to make this better moving forward, we stay in that perpetual stress period. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, speaking for myself, I found that 
I am a great planner and I have a tendency to schedule things on a regular basis for my clients. I map out time, I map out training programs, I map out all kinds of things. And it wasn't until relatively recently that I had that epiphany, uh, which is that maybe one of the reasons why I struggle so hard for myself on various occasions is, you guessed it, I don't have that same kindness mm -hmm. directed at myself, right? I don't make that same effort for myself. So, you know, the old saw of, of scheduling things that are important um, rings true. And that may be uh, things like scheduling time to read a book or scheduling time to go to the gym or scheduling time to have a conversation with a friend. Yes. Um, I know for a lot of people that feels very mechanical. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is that in, in today's hectic world, if you don't plan – there are many, many things that can take up your time, whether you want it to or not, many of them unimportant. And when you stop and take a look at your day and you realize that you've spent 70% of your time doing stuff that you'd rather not mm -hmm. or that you would prefer not to have to deal with and that you've left the important things by the wayside, bad news, right? And that's the time when we need to pause and actually take a break and schedule that time. And I found that to be hugely effective to me it still chaps me a little bit to have to do it I admit it yeah uh, but but when I take the time to schedule plan and allocate time it is extremely helpful and one of my personal failures is that I always underestimate how long things are going to take <laughs> me too always. the planning always. fallacy yeah <laughs> Right? Oh, I can whip that article out in a day mm -hmm. or I can, I can, I don't know, name it, you know, and it, it always takes more time than yes. I think to the point now where I've actually started tracking how much time some things take me so that I'm a little bit more realistic and don't have, um, don't impose false expectations on myself. Don't set myself up for failure, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've been starting to track the actual time, too, because I just keep thinking, why am I always behind? Well, I'm yes. always behind because I thought I could accomplish 182 things in one day, and that's not realistic. Mm -hmm. And yet, it's yep. tough. One of, yep. the, one of the points you were making about scheduling time to read a book or have a conversation with a friend um, rang true to me also with the fact that we break those commitments to ourselves, even when we scheduled it, when we're under stress, we're like, I don't have time to do this. So the restorative things, the things that make us feel better and, and fill us back up are the first things we jettison when we're feeling under the gun. Yes, a common problem and, and a common fallacy, because you end up tapping yourself dry, mm -hmm. you reduce your ability to, to change on the fly to regenerate, recover, recoup. And everyone pays for that in the long run, not just yourself, yeah. but your significant others, your business partners, um, the people that you work with, everyone ends up paying for that in the long run. So it's, it's false economy. It, it really, really is. It's this business of feeling selfish 
uh, about taking mm-hmm. time for yourself and planning for yourself, that everyone and everything should come first. I liken it to the stewardesses on the mm-hmm. on the airplane who always emphasize, you know, putting your air mask on first because you can't help anybody else if you pass out in the meantime. And I think, wow, you know, that's a perfect analogy for life right there. If you don't invest in yourself and maintain yourself, do what you need to do in order to maintain balance and sanity, you're of no use to anyone else in the long run. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And yet it's a, a lesson that's so hard for so many of us to learn. Yes, you know, agreed. Because I think the vast majority of people struggle with that from time to time, where sure. we feel like you have to serve someone else and someone's in need and I should be there and it should, 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 you know, all the shoulds. Yeah. <laughs> it should be me. No one else can do it. I have to do it. And then we run ourselves dry and have all those relationships suffer as a re- as a result as too. a consequence yeah, yeah it's a real yeah. tough thing and and it's a real toxic thing in a work environment because well first off we're less creative when we're stressed and yes. we're less efficient when we're stressed so we wind up just sort of doing things the way we're doing them and kind of bleeding off a little bit of negative energy with all that but we're we're slower and more stuck in our ways and more likely to ruffle other people's feathers too in those Agreed. situations. Very goal oriented at that point, mm-hmm. right? And not looking at whatever is going on in the periphery, what good or bad right. <laughs> that might be happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The benefits of negative emotions, narrowing and focusing your attention, goal, goal, goal. And yes. then there are some other goals that are getting trampled in the meantime that we're not looking at that one. Right. And, and the fact that what, you know, the vast majority of us spend, what, 80% of our time or more in the work location. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if, you, if your work life is not happy, um, it's going to have a proportionally adverse effect on your life in general. Yeah. And the and the current statistics on employee engagement are just really shocking um, in terms of the number of people who are are not actively happily engaged at work. It's something like 70% of people are either just kind of phoning it in or even adversely working against, you know, like you say, we're going to do this. Well, I'm not not doing that. I could do it. 70%. That's horrifying. That means, you know, 30% of people are showing up and going, yay team, let's go and pulling everyone along with them. That's not good for any of us. No, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. And it, it's, it's interesting that, you know, a process that it has been embraced for so many years in the animal training community that's, that's known to be scientifically valid and, and held as, as gospel um, somehow or other hasn't filtered into our day-to-day lives. And that's the, the basic, what we call ABCs, right? Antecedent behavior mm-hmm. consequences, which goes to your initial question about setting yourself up for success. Those would be the antecedents. And, and so we know this. I mean, this is not rocket science. We right. know that this is crucial, important, necessary in order to get a long-term behavioral change, to get to our goals. And yet uh, it's easy to apply it to our dog training, but somehow we don't apply it to our lives. It just really boggles boggles the mind in that regard. Um, there's some great books out there, some great resources out there about about ABC type training. It's it's basically applied behavior analysis, mm-hmm. um, but it's also been applied 
in other areas. For example, I just finished reading a great book that's called Nudge, mm-hmm. uh, N-U-D-G-E. I don't know if you've read it or not. I Behavioral have. economics book. Mm-hmm about how we make decisions and how in most situations it's by default. Um, and, and that whole aspect of, of how we interact with our environment is fascinating to me because it's been in the news day to day, right? That how we all accept default settings, right? Mm-hmm. For Facebook and for Google and for Amazon and how those default settings were giving away <laughs> huge chunks of our personal information and lives and what we do because because that's how we make decisions and and we can't be bothered to do more it's just mesmerizing it really is isn't it how much of our our daily lives is just sort of rote or just yeah. someone else has made a decision for us and we go oh well that's the way it is and mm-hmm. we do what we did yesterday and we're not thinking about it. It's it's kind of stunning. But from a brain aspect, it makes total sense. It gives yeah. your brain the focus on what's new or novel or different. And we're just sort of like running all the other systems in the background. But that only works if you're happy with your results. If you're <laughs> unhappy with what's going on and you just keep doing the same things because that's how we're wired, then that's really to our to our detriment. Right. Although it does go back to, to your, additional, your initial thought or some of what we've discussed already, which is that, you know, it's not always easy to break out of those default behaviors or those default patterns. Yeah. It really does require to be, you to be mindful to some mm-hmm. extent and be aware of how you're making decisions. And um, let's face it, it takes some introspection and some self-evaluation and, and criticism and the decision that you want to make a change that you want to have an impact. But that being said, if you can do a self-assessment and decide where it is that you want to start to initiate some change, you can have a powerful effect with relatively minor um, tweaks if you take the time to do that. Yeah, Yeah. there's amazing power in in tiny tweaks, isn't there? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Keystone effects. Um, Can you give an example of one that, that you can think of from a human perspective? Yeah, so I, I, uh, as you know, ended up studying for my veterinary board examination. Um, it's been two, three years ago, and I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And I stopped to think about how I was going to make sure that I was going to be successful in taking the exam. Um, I, I obviously I can't do all night bingers anymore. That's that's not going to cut it. And the just the sheer volume of the information and having to get through it was overwhelming. And to back that up even more, let's just say I because I'm not a spring chicken, because I knew that the clock's ticking, I only wanted to do this once. I mean, I wanted to make sure <laughs> that I took that exam, that I passed the exam, and uh, I didn't have time to be ditzing around. So I thought to myself, well, I'll just make sure that I study a couple hours a day. Well, it became very evident very quickly that that was not working. So, I mean, how hard is it to take an hour and and open up a book and study? Mm-hmm. Well, apparently very hard because very hard. as we all know, other things invade, right? Other things 
intrude. There's always a phone call to be made. There's always the client to be called back. There's always the 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 crisis, usually not of your creation, but it's a crisis mm-hmm. nonetheless. It has to be dealt with, you know, on and on and on and on. And I found myself always putting it on the back burner and and that's not going to work. It wasn't going right. to work. I mean, no way, no how. So it's like, well, how can I set myself up to make sure that that this is going to work? And the answer ended up being that I had to do some changes. They didn't doesn't sound like major changes, but but they were in the sense that I had to change my pattern of living. So what I ended up doing is going to bed half an hour early, right, and getting up at six a.m. every morning, come hell or high water. I did not touch my phone. I did not open my computer. I sat down and I I did my hour and a half of study time. And I told all of my family members, you are not to talk to me. You're not to bother me. And (laughs) thankfully, at that hour of the morning, most of the time people weren't up anyway. And and that's what I did. And it was it was very, very successful. In fact, it was so successful and I was so productive that here I am three years later and I do the same thing. I I kept that pattern because I found that I I actually enjoyed having a period of time when I could sit down and concentrate on Mm -hmm. things um, and not get yanked hither and yon. That worked really, really well. It, It wasn't that hard to do, but it did take some foresight and pre planning. Um, I was a little appalled that I wasn't able to somehow or other fit the studying in otherwise during the course of the day. It just doesn't seem like it should have been that hard, but it quickly became obvious that it wasn't going to happen the way I was doing it. It does get hard to fit it in, you know, even with the best of intentions, it's really hard. So carving out a special time for it and then really committing to that time. Yes. That n- nothing is interrupting this time. Don't yeah. don't interrupt me, and I'm not allowing myself to interrupt myself. No phone, no nothing. You know. Yep. Yep. Because I just I felt you know if I check the phone and there's a message, oh well you know maybe I better answer that I message. Know. First. You just so get like, like yanked yeah. and you, you're hooked <laughs> yes. and gone before you even realize that that's yes. happened with some yep. of these things, yep. which does make it harder to make to carve out quiet time in the middle of everyone else's waking hours. You know, so the beginnings of the days and the end of the days, and my end of the day is not nearly as smart as my beginning of the day. So if, <laughs> if I were studying for an exam, I also would need to do it first thing in the morning rather than last thing at night. But having this time where there are fewer people likely to to need something from you can really help. I think it's really cool that you've kept that time, that that's provided you a value beyond the exam. Yes. Yeah, it, it, it was a surprise to me. What kind of also prompted me to, to, to do that was the acknowledgement that in the evening, I wasn't really doing anything that was a benefit to me. A lot of times I would sit and let's admit it, watch TV mm-hmm. or cruise through, I don't know, whatever internet links happen to become tumbling in. And I don't really enjoy that. I mean, I, it's embarrassing to say that, but that's what you do. It's almost like a, yeah. a default behavior. Yeah, it's like right? a numbing behavior. Like, yes. I'm too tired to do something else, so yes. I'll do this. And so of, of, of all the incredible time waste or time dump, I mean, like I said, embarrassingly, I really should be getting more sleep. There are other ways to be more productive. And I found that I haven't missed that at all. Um, 
but it was a bit of a jaw dropper to realize that that's where my su- su- very precious time mm-hmm. uh, was going. Yeah. Well, that goes back to what you said before about a little bit of um, self-knowledge and really reflecting on your own behavior and, and seeing what am I doing? Like, let's figure out what's actually happening. And then what do I wish was happening? And how do I get from here to there? You know, just like any other behavior mod plan. Right. Uh, what What is the reality and where do I want to be? You mentioned mindfulness earlier. Do you have any sort of meditation practice or do you just have sort of a mindful aspect to yourself? Actually, I do do meditation and you're going to laugh. I, again, self-revealing uh, information here. But, you know, you read all these health, self-help books and uh, you know, you should be doing X and you should be doing Y. And, I, you know, none of that ever worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, what always has been very relaxing for me, honestly, is is a, sh- a nice long shower mm-hmm. or a nice long uh, stint in the bathtub. And I am very bad at um, what verbalized mindfulness exercises. For some reason, I can't get into those. And I always find myself feeling bored and or giggling and I just doesn't work. (laughs) Images are very powerful for me. Mm -hmm. And I really, really enjoy nature. I really enjoy animals. Otherwise, obviously, I wouldn't be in the profession that I'm in. And so I have a series of images that I run through my head in a sequence Mm -hmm. that I just work through every night and I find it to be very relaxing and very soothing. And this is another habit that I picked up as I was studying for the exam and I felt (laughs) the stress starting to ratchet up some more. Um, And I I found it to be very, very effective. So uh, pick an image that means something to you, like flowing water Mm -hmm. or um, great falls during the flood water tumbling over the rocks and think of an appropriate keyword that goes with that. Um, looking at the image and, and thinking to yourself, I, I am very powerful or I, I am solid or I am focused, whatever, whatever the image is. So I found that to be very helpful and in images of my animals and, and of my family and friends to remind me mm-hmm. of what's important. And, and that helps to ground me somewhat when things are rough or when you, when things could be better. Right. Yeah. And and on days when, when it's not rough, it's uh, very soothing and I don't know, satisfying, right. That if it gives you a sense of wellness or wholeness when you feel yourself surrounded by those. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. I've, I've heard of some imagery based meditation, but not, not this concept of having a particular image and a series of them that you would go through and have a message associated with each. I love that. And I think it also harkens back to a point you and I discussed before we started this of that not not everything works for everyone. We all have to figure out what is going to work for us. And so, you know, someone says to you, meditate, and you start listening to the words, and you're like, this is ridiculous. This isn't doing it for me. That's completely mm-hmm. valid. But the benefits of meditation have come to you because you kept looking for the way that works for you. And right, for what fits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. 
Uh, I think that's really cool. Recently, I came across a very interesting book that talked about walking meditation as well. And I don't know if you you have had a chance to read some of that uh, research, but it's not a new concept. I mean, the whole idea of the the mazes mm-hmm. in Christian churches yeah. and, and working your way closer to God as you work your way through the maze, walking meditation, right? Yes. And... And so for many people, the meditation is hard because you have to sit still with your thoughts. Your body may, you may be in pain. I mean, Mm -hmm. as we all get older, some of us have more pain than others. But walking meditation is another place, I think, that whether people realize it or not, especially in the dog community, Mm -hmm. right, when they go out and walk their dogs, Mm -hmm. Whether, whether that's what they call it or not, in effect, the relief that they get in sharing time with their four-legged companions is, in effect, yes. walking meditation. Yeah. Yes. And I think we undervalue how much movement makes us mentally feel better. Like, we, we just think, like, I should be able to sit at a desk and do my computer work, and life <laughs> is good. But our bodies were really designed to move we feel better when we move. I've had a pinched nerve for a couple of weeks now, and it's been bad. And I hadn't been able to walk my dog for a few weeks. And I hadn't been able to think about much of anything for a few weeks. It was lovely to get back out with my dog and just go for a walk. We couldn't go as far, but he was happy and I was happy. And wow, it made a difference. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty precious time together, for sure. It is. It is. And I think I think sometimes we think we're doing it for the dog, and yet it so often has as much benefit for us. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, like here, I'll do this for you, and like, oh, I feel better. I feel better. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a, a real, a real good point. It all fits into that whole setting ourselves up for success. Really looking at the behavior that exists and and the behavior that we want, and, and trying to find the path in between. So when we're dealing with relationships with other people. If we're finding ourselves in situations where we're having a little bit more friction than we'd like to have, what are some ideas that you might have that that could help somebody take one step toward the happier goal? Well, for what it's worth, one of the things that I've discovered is that as a general rule, believe it or not, most people are not deliberately trying to make your life difficult. (laughs) It may feel like it, and it may on certain days it sure seems like it, but as a general rule, people are not trying to make your life difficult. There's something else going on, or they're distracted, and because of that, they may not even realize, as scary as that is, they may not even realize the impact that they're having on you. Yes. So I try and practice what I preach. I try and recommend to people not to open your mouth. <laughs> Until you're at a place where you can say things without emotion, you've had a chance to think about it a little bit, and always ask yourself, what are you trying to get out of this? If you're going to have an interaction with somebody, are you just going to yell because it makes you feel better? What do you want them to do differently? Because simply expressing um, disdain or contempt or anger, all those negative emotions Nothing's going to change. So you need to take a step back, take a deep breath, and decide what you want out of the interaction. 
and try as best you're able to communicate what problem it is that you're having and what kind of a different outcome you would like when you approach someone with a concern. Right, right. And that that is the best the best that I can recommend. I, it's not always easy, especially in emotion charged working environments or in in situations where people are running at full bore. You know, they may be may or may not be sleep deprived. It, it's difficult. But if you just try and remember that no one's out to get you, <laughs> and that other folks have as many issues or more than you do and show a little bit of compassion and empathy, people respond very well to that as compared to the, the angry um, off the cuff comment. Yeah. It's, it's very true how often, I mean, I think partially because our brains are pattern making machines that we ascribe motives to people's behavior. Yes. <laughs> oh like, yes. I know you're doing this because. Right. And so often they're not even they're not even aware. So never ascribe to malice, you know. That's why dogs are so educational, right? That really opens up your eyes because so many people try and ascribe motives to their dogs. Standard line for clients, you know, I don't think that dogs are trying to take over the world. I really don't think they're trying to make it into the White House. I don't think world domination is where they're where they're going with this. And obviously said with some humor. But the fact of the matter is that when you start looking at things a little bit more objectively, often you'll find that there are many other explanations for a particular behavior, right? Right. Other than somebody's out to get you. Consequently, that allows you to be a little bit more compassionate in your response and to work towards common goals and and common resolution as compared to one-upsmanship or who who gets to win. It's not a uh, slap down. That's not. <laughs> no, that that always escalates things instead of diffuses them. So it really does come down again to having a little bit of forethought and, and planning for things and looking at how can we prevent problems from happening. Some problems you can't prevent, you know, other people doing right. something you may or may not be able to change something about that in the future, but the way that we respond is within our control. Yes, it is a when choice. we're careful and observant. <laughs> yes, and not just happening on our defaults. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which, if you've been getting doing your mindfulness, will put you in a better place. <laughs> yeah, it, it is interesting. I had an experience a couple of weeks ago where I had stayed overnight in the hospital with my aunt who had had surgery, so like no sleep for me. I was awake all night, and I had somewhere I had to be at 8.30 in the morning, so someone came to the hospital to take over so I could go, and I go out to the parking lot of the hospital, and my car has a flat tire. And I thought, huh, well, that's frustrating. And I thought, oh my goodness, meditation works, because a couple of years ago, I would have been sobbing and kicking my car. Yep. <laughs> I would have been like, I have to go. And yep. I was just like, well, that's a bummer. Now what am I going to do? And it was all so placid. It was just like, well, here we are. I'm going to have to deal with this now. And it was really funny because there was a whole part of my brain going, Oh my goodness, meditation, it really has made off, paid off for me. I'm not a raging lunatic in the parking lot that people are pointing at. Yeah, but, but that is the payoff, right? I mean, that really is a payoff because, because it wouldn't have done you any good to no. scream or yell or kick or get upset. And it doesn't even make you feel better. 
right? That's the, the icing on the cake. I mean, you can talk about letting it all out, but the, the research is pretty profound that having these explosions is not helpful, right? health-wise or otherwise. So kudos to you for getting <laughs> to the point where you can step back and go, wow, there it is. And then to, to notice that you said, wow, there it is. <laughs> To trying to rip the tire off with your bare teeth. You know? <laughs> yep, a little bit of a meta moment there. <laughs> yeah, very good. Pretty cool. We can set ourselves up for success, but things are going to go wrong, and then we're, yes. then then what? That's the piece we always need to be looking at. Things are going to go wrong. Then what? And the more we think about what we do and how we're choosing our behavior, the better it comes out in the long run. That's, yeah. And, you know, that's, that's a goal for all of us. It's a goal not only for the animals that we work with, but also a goal for ourselves. And, and what I equate it to or what I see it as is behavioral flexibility. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best way to label it, that somehow or other you've got a little bit of elasticity or a little bit of plasticity, whatever you want to call it, a wiggle room, such that when you're hit with these different bumps, and goodness knows on any given day there may be more of them than less of them, that you can switch to plan B and then to plan C and then to plan D and and move on down the line as compared to uh, viewing it as an assault of nature against yourself or that, again, like somebody's out to get you or that nobody loves you. I mean, the whole downhill talk that Mm -hmm. ends up happening when when things spiral out of control. So it's, it's something that we should all strive for and aim for, which is that behavioral flexibility and that willingness to um, adapt and adjust as needed. Well, this has been awesome. You've had lots to share. I really appreciate it. One of my favorite questions that I like to ask people because I find it very interesting is if your dog could speak English, how would he describe you? So what would Possum say about you? Oh my gosh. That is a very interesting question. And a hard one, you know, because he's a border collie. I've always kind of felt like it's the IQ of a four-year-old trapped inside of a furry body. (laughs) But in general, I would hope that he would say that we have a pretty good time of it overall. We've tried to adjust our lifestyle to make him a part of the family and consider him to be definitely a member of the family. He goes just about everywhere with us. And I would hope that he would say that I'm a fun bud to hang out with. (laughs) Well, that's great. And all of that fits in really well with setting up for success because you have made him a part of your family, which is setting it up for success. Wonderful. So if listeners would like to learn more about you and your work, how could they reach you? The best way is through my website, and it is behaviorsolutions.guru, so behaviorsolutions, plural, dot G-U-R-U. And that, that website has a lot of information on it, both uh, how to contact me and frequently asked questions and links and all kinds of fun stuff. Great. We'll have links in the show notes to that. Well, I really appreciate you taking time to talk to me today on Unleashed. It was so much fun talking with you. I enjoyed it very much. Thanks for having me.
If you found value in this, I hope that you will tell a friend because we're all really looking to try to find ways to make our lives easier. And certainly Dr. Sin has shared a lot of ways that she's worked to make her own life and the lives of her clients easier. So please tell a friend and have them listen in to Unleashed at Work and Home. 